Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and our good friend Jordan Schachtel is going to be joining us here in a matter of moments for the Day's Group. We're with you here for the next couple of hours. If you guys don't mind, though, I would like to begin. You know, we, we typically do this when you guys praise one of our partners. We always like to make sure we mention that from the top because they're one of the big reasons why we get to give do this show and, and bring this to you every single day. But I got in my own little praise report for our friends at Patriot Mobile. Internet has been down at my house for the last few days. I've had to run hot spots and everything off my phone and iPad to be able to work for home, which is what I'm doing. I do a lot, you know. 14-hour days, and about nine of those hours are spent working from home every day. Uh, And I ran out of data. And at the last minute, man, I had to make the decision. I had to make the switch to get more uh, data so I could continue working until uh, today when uh, they're finally going to come and be able to fix my internet this afternoon. And I was able to get a hold of uh, Patriot Mobile at the last minute, and uh, they were able to accommodate my uh, request uh, to add more data to my plan uh, on a temporary basis. They just... Their customer service team, man, just is just clutch. They never fail. And that's why you want to make the switch on top of the fact that they are America's only American mobile phone company so that you don't have to directly fund our enemies anymore. Uh, you can give your money to Patriot Mobile with their outstanding customer service team instead. Uh, by the way, right now, use the promo code FRIDAY76 and you can get a free smartphone. If you make the switch to Patriot Mobile today with that code, uh, Friday 76 is the code to get a free smartphone. When you make the switch uh, over to Patriot Mobile at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, that's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call 972-PATRIOT. All right, next hour, we're going to get to Feedback Friday. It's our last Feedback Friday of 2023. So I'm going to hold me to it, guys. I'm going to I'm going to try to get through as many of these lightning round as I possibly can, because a lot of them will be way too dated by the time that we come back and uh, and do another feedback Friday, the first Friday in January. All right. Over under six. That's a pretty good number. I, I, if I could get to six, I'm going to be I'm going to be pleased. All right. So I'm going to shoot for the over, though. But hold me to it. OK. At some point, just even point the gun at me and say you're belaboring your point. Move on. You had me at point the gun. <laughs> all right. All right. With that, let's get to it. It's time for the day's group. And there he is, our good friend, independent muckraker, Jordan Schachtel, joining us here for the Dace Group, your weekly look at the week that was. And it begins, as it always does, with issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. The presidential palace, the party of the year. Eyes bright, chins up, smiles on. Get your updated COVID and flu vaccines and your RSV vaccine if you're over 60. With this law, we finally beat Big Pharma. And use additional layers of protection, like avoiding people who are sick, washing your hands, improving ventilation, and wearing a mask. You, no. you don't practice no. anymore, do you? I don't. I identify myself as a Catholic. As far as practicing it, it seems almost like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. 
Tune in. I, Carl V. Frisch, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, that I will support the Constitution of the United States, that I will support the Constitution of the United States. Going no contact will feel worse. Can't lie to you, but eventually, the guilt subsides. You work through it. You're kind to yourself. And on the other side of the no contact guilt scenario is peace. You don't care that we have to pay for all of this? Look, look. Look, uh, listen. Um, like Americans are paying for all of this, if right? If I pay $7,000 for America, it's... So because you paid $7,000... I respect America, I respect American rules, everything. Okay. Yeah. But, but you broke the rules coming in, though. It's first, you. It's first mistake. It's first, first mistake? mistake me. Two-thirds of the people who are going to vote next year were not voting 30 years ago. Some of them, at least, kind of expect prices to then go back down again. That doesn't happen. People just have no experience with this, and they're trying to wrap their minds around it, and they're taking it out on President Biden. What I was hearing the Lord say was, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. May the odds be ever in your favor. Ah. Uh. God, don't even... <laughs> um. That's just a documentary. That's I, what that I, is, Aaron. Well I, done. Uh, Great work. I, I'm... Ah. Uh, uh, I do talk for a living, right? Because I've got nothing. I mean, I, I, you saved your worst for last, dude. That's the last of these you're doing this year. And that is the worst one you have done. And I don't mean in terms of quality. I mean, in terms of content, just that backdrop with whatever that fresh hell was of the, of the official Biden White House Christmas video. I mean, that, I, I don't even know what to say to that. And and who is that looking at Trump at the end and saying, this you're is Jesus, you're Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Who is saying that? Some female pastor, which is, a, you know, a contradiction in Las Vegas. <sighs> Thank goodness we have a tradition on this show that the guest has to go. I'm, I'm sorry. The guest gets to go first. Yes, because I'm I'm spent after watching that. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to do another hour and 53 minutes here. So Jordan Schachtel, first question goes to you. Good luck. What was the most revolting item that you were just subjected to in a in a sequence of them? Yeah, I mean, double Aaron's salary first and foremost. Whatever he's making, that was that was a premier cut um, of horror. But <laughs> that's um, the scariest movie I saw this year. <laughs> is what I just watched. But yes, go ahead. That um, you know the the degradation, the purposeful degradation of the White House is um, you know it's it's by design. Yes. They want to impose their ideology and just kind of like flash it in our faces that you know the ruling class has this very weird ideology and structure. And unfortunately, as we also saw in the clip, 
the up, the main opposition right now to the ruling class has transformed into something you know completely detached from uh, you know any semblance of you know our founders' philosophy. Um, this week in D.C., you had politicians um, voting to you know expand the surveillance powers. Uh, the federal government, and then you know, in their free time, they were racing. Uh, you know, these representatives and senators were racing to endorse Donald Trump because they know that if they don't endorse him, that they will lose uh, political clout. So it's just like this. It, it's a total clown world across the board. And you know, I've been talking to a lot of friends who, um, you know, are somewhat influential and have been kind of like sit on the sidelines of this and not down with. You know the either side of the freak show in DC, and it just seems like you know with with shows like yours and, and you know other places and you know what the, the Blaze is doing as a whole, it's such essential programming these days because we don't really have a functional opposition movement in America today. We just have like freak shows versus people who have now come under the impression that. Um, one man is uh, akin to a deity, can do no wrong, is, um, you know, has found the fountain of youth and, you know, age is not a factor anymore. And he's just their Superman um, in Donald Trump. And like, we're just facing so much delusion, so much, uh, you know, degradation in American society. And again, you know, so much applause to Aaron for for crushing it with these the video montages. I remember he he did one um, when the boosters were coming out over COVID, and you know the, the mockery is is essential, and he's mm -hmm. crushing it. So so shout out to to Aaron and the whole squad. But um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I mean your your summation there is spot on, uh, borderline prophetic. I mean, I pointed out yesterday, we are largely reduced to a country now of communists versus carnies. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted watching that. And, you know, I, I've been using a, an illusion that I know you will understand uh, as, a Jew, as a Jew, that these Republicans now just paint the, the elephant's blood on their door. Okay. They... Um, I knew Mike. I knew Mike Johnson was going to sell us out on the on the on the budget. And I came on the show, fellas, remember, and told you that was going to happen. When he went on CNBC to endorse Trump the day before he was to make the decision on the budget, he went on CNBC, endorsed Trump, and said that Trump had quote the greatest economy ever, like ever, like in the history of of human civilization. And I came on this show. These guys have been taught. They have been taught that they can betray us on every lasting principle that we have claimed our lifetimes have mattered to us dearly, provided they then paint the elephant's blood on the door and attach it to Donald Trump, then it's totally okay. It's totally okay whatever that they're that they're essentially absolved and and that the 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 uh, the angel of accountability will pass over uh, their letterhead and they are now absolved of everything. And that is exactly what you were just speaking to there, okay? And that doesn't take away a, a lot of the good stuff that Trump did when he was president whatsoever, and that's a valid reason why people would decide that they would like to see him finish the job, especially if you feel like it was kind of taken away from him the last time. And I'm one of those people that happens to still think that, by the way. But that's a different condition than what you are describing, Jordan, and what you, we just see there at the end. 
I mean, they're, 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 that's just flat out idolatry. No politician is worthy of that. And we live in a country, by the way, where if there was ever a politician that could have claimed such a mantle, it was George Washington. And in fact, they almost tried to bestow it on him from the very beginning of this republic. And what did he do with that? He turned it down. He turned it aside. He said, no, I'm not a king. That's not why we did this. Either this is about we the people or it is not. It's not about me. It's about the people. Todd, your thoughts. Well, speaking of the purposeful desecration that Jordan started off with, that uh, that trend now, it's happened in multiple places where the incoming school uh, board members are swearing on a stack of porn. Yeah. You know, that here, I've laid this out for you before, but the saga continues. For those of you that don't know that, because we haven't covered that story, that's why Aaron showed that swearing in. And then yeah. what he showed you on the side is the book that guy was getting sworn one of, in on. One of them. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. That's like the four book. Four or five. That, yeah, I would, yeah, I'm not, that, that happened in America. People are getting sworn in to serve on school boards on a stack of gay porn. That's the very same book that I was fighting against here in uh, local Carlisle School District. They used a secret and illegal book committee uh, that we exposed with the help of FOIA Iowa uh, to have the names released of the people that they wouldn't tell us were on that meeting. They're not allowed to do that. But why, if it's so out in the open, do they need a secret uh, book committee? But then they they told you, you had to have these books for these kids. Their lives are so endangered. These are the specific books that you need. Then when states like Iowa went and said, no, these books are inappropriate for children. We will not have them a part of our educational process. These books were not banned from the face of the earth, although I'd be fine with that too, but they were not done. They, you were just not going to have them taught to your children. Then the tactic that they used and they gaslit with is, well, we need guidance from the state because now we don't know which books to remove we have no idea which books you're talking about it might be the color purple Mm -hmm. we don't know and now suddenly that these people won some elections like this now we're back to knowing exactly what the books are again and we're swearing on them as if they're their bible because they are all these people do our lie all they do is gaslight and that's why when we get to the end of this show when we talk about people i want to see go on trial it's these child abusers and it's these child molesters preach Talk about all they do. And Jordan, thank you for the kind words, by the way. I appreciate that. Uh, You talk about all they do is lie. All they do is gaslight. That's why one that stuck out to me, although (sighs) ignoring Mr. Creepy Pasta there, uh, talking in a voice like this about how you need to ditch your parents. That's really, really odd and demonic and weird. It's the MSNBC economics analyst just completely lying and gaslighting. All you young peons, you want prices to go back to the way they were three years ago. Um, no, could we just have them not keep going up? I was in Casey's, which is a general store here in the Midwest, a few days ago looking at the beef jerky. Jack Link's beef jerky, a three and a quarter ounce bag of regular beef jerky is $9. $9. Could we just... Maybe not have these prices keep going up. That's all we're asking. But no, our finite little frog ba- brains could never comprehend how economics actually work. And we're, we're taking it out on a boogeyman named Joe Biden. That is the height of arrogance and condescension and lying and gaslighting. All three of you absolutely crushed it. 
to the point that I, I don't feel like I should add anything for fear that it would take away from what all three of you said. So let us go instead to the exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one representing the amount of crack Hunter Biden didn't smoke, and 10 being how smoking hot Lindsey Graham thought Hunter Biden's crack was. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. Ten. In my back. In my back. Because the last couple of weeks, you guys were like, that really disappointed me. I expected it to be far more uncomfortable than that. In my back. That one hurt. All right. Thank you. Jordan. There's room for improvement, I guess, eight. Eight. Jordan says we can go lower. Jordan says there's another ring of hell that Aaron has yet to unveil. Are you going to take that, Aaron, from him? Are you going to take that from him? Um, we've been doing this for three years, and he's been right every year. <laughs> I mean, if he came on here at the end of the year every single year and said that, he will have been right. So I'm going to 10, though. I go back to when I, I go back to the first time I knew I hated you, Todd. The first time I hated you of many is when we got through 2016. Yeah. And you looked at, you looked at me and said on the air, 2017 is going to be even worse. And I, I, I hated you right then. Okay. And, and little did I know that this would every be an year ongoing <laughs> perennial trend line. Yes. And I've hated you ever since. Yes. All right. Before we get to issue two, a word from our friends over at Jace Medical. They are, of course, the uh, the outstanding folks that came on board because they were concerned when they saw venerable award winning Nobel Prize. In fact, award winning medications suddenly determined to be dangerous and horse paste and stripped from the market, maybe right when we needed them the most. And so they came up with the Jace case so that you could make sure to back up your existing medications, particularly if they are of the veneral antibiotic variety, because who knows, maybe the next time we need them the most, that's just when they'll tell us they're unsafe as well. Well, now they're concerned about just overall shortages. We are seeing critical shortages of essential drugs in the country right now. And so here's the answer that Jace Medical has to that. They want to let you customize your Jace case now to get your existing medications in there. That's right. They've got, a, they've got dozens of add-on medications, including ivermectin. You can add that to your Jace case as well. All right. So you can customize it how you see fit with their wide variety to make sure you beat the supply chain shortages and you have that peace of mind. Go to jacemedical.com, enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. That's J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. A discount code is DACE for a discount on your order at jacemedical.com. Let's get to issue two. Look at the polls! Israeli forces have started flooding Hamas tunnels in Gaza with seawater pumped from the Mediterranean Sea in an effort to destroy the underground tunnel network. It's according to news reports filed on Wednesday. The Israeli military installed at least five water pumps about a mile north of the Al-Shati refugee camp in northern Gaza. It's according to the Wall Street Journal, who first reported the story. The tunnels, estimated to extend 300 miles and separated by thick blast doors, are a key part of Hamas's military operation. They allow militants to move undetected and are used to store weapons and supplies. Some sections are used as command centers. This morning, Israel announced they've recovered the bodies of three hostages taken in the attacks on Israel by Hamas on October 7th. As of the beginning of this month, 1,332 Israelis alone have been reportedly killed since the attacks. 
In the West, pro-Hamas orcs continue to demonstrate in obnoxious ways, including one mob just yesterday in Philadelphia, which blocked the busy I-76 corridor through the city. This week, a new public opinion poll from PCPSR of so-called Palestinians finds that 72% support the October 7th massacre. Support for Hamas has tripled in the West Bank, where 82% support the massacre, and support for a quote-unquote armed struggle against Israel has risen 10 points to 60% of so-called Palestinians supporting. Earlier this week, Joe Biden reaffirmed his personal, I guess, support for Israel. As I said after the attack, my commitment to the safety of the Jewish people and the security of Israel and its right to exist is independent, as an independent Jewish state, is unshakable. Folks, were there no Israel, there wouldn't be a Jew in the world that was safe. But just a day later at a campaign fundraising event, Biden claimed Israel is losing international support because of its quote-unquote indiscriminate bombing. Straight up, I understood about one out of every four words Joe Biden said there. You should play a game, Ozzy Osbourne or Joe Biden. Indeed, indeed. First question, Aaron, I'll go to you. True or false? Poll numbers, like what you highlighted coming uh, from uh, the uh, the Palestinian people. Um, or which the, don't exist. Which don't exist, correct. That's a made-up country. These are made-up people. So really, we're talking about the people that voted in Hamasistan, okay? So um, they prove that what those calling for a two-state solution all these years are really calling for is a final solution. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all that this has ever been. When the squad talks about uh, BDS boycott, divestment, uh, sanction, what it's always, always, always veiled language so that the squishy Western leaders won't think of what they're actually calling for for what it is, which is genocide from river to the sea. Which river? Which sea? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. It's always been veiled language. So that squeamish Westerners won't actually, oh, yeah, we love our little chance. We'll get in on this chant. They won't actually know what we're talking about. That's always been the goal. That's always been the goal. As long as I've been alive. I I was born in 1993. It's no different now than it was back then. The goal has always been to wipe Israel off the face of the map. I don't know how much more simple it can get than that. So... Again, we're back to, does the Israeli government understand that? Does Bibi Netanyahu understand that? And do they have the stomach, unless, uh, unlike you know, weak Westerners, and I'm, I'm talking about the people at large as well as the leadership, do they have the stomach to actually do what needs to be done? That's been the burning question now for going on two, uh, two and a half, almost two and a half months now. And so far, it, the results have been mixed. I have been somewhat encouraged Flooding the tunnel seems like if it can work, that would be a pretty effective way of basically wiping out all of the infrastructure that they've spent decades building in Gaza, in and around Gaza. That's kind of hopeful. That means that maybe if it works, the Israeli government is serious about that. But yes, the two-state solution thing, it was always a misnomer. It was always veiled language, just like all of their languages, always veiled language for doing what they've always wanted to do, which is just kill Jews. Jordan. So in the first clip, we saw that um, that dude or he, she, it, whatever, who identifies as transgender and was trying to come off as the good guy. 
And the Palestinians are basically the transgender movement of the Middle East. You know, they believe similarly that there is a genocide being committed against them, despite the entire world trying to support them. Um, they are particularly violent people, as you see with the terrorism and, you know, with the trans thing, as you've seen with the mass shooters and people who commit self-harm. Um, yet, so they, they feel that they're always aggrieved, yet they've received all the support in the world. And as Aaron has noted, all they want is the destruction of the entirety of Israel and to take the entire state for themselves. And, and you know, just with transgenderism, as you know, we discussed in the opening, you know, the Palestinian nationalism is, you know, based on a fictitious concept that there was a Palestinian state in, in the past when there was not. So it's just like an imaginary identity. Um, so there's a lot of parallels to what we're seeing going on with the left in the United States today. And as Aaron noted, this really comes down to, you know, is the Israeli government willing to recognize this reality too? Because, you know, similar to in the United States, um, you have a political class in Israel that unfortunately is made up of a lot of people who are afraid to make decisions necessary to ensure, you know, the safety and security of their people, mm -hmm. which ultimately led to the October 7th attacks and prior avoidable incidents, um, you know, prior to October 7th. So, you know, it's definitely true. However, um, the poll also showed, I think there's a reason for optimism in that poll, because it, it surveyed people in both Gaza and the West Bank. And basically what it found among the people of Gaza, um, at first they thought that Hamas would defend Gaza against Israel. But what you're now finding is that, you know, they've reached the, the find out stage of that um, the graphic, that that meme, the F around and find out meme, where they have now kind of awoken to reality and half of people now living in Gaza, according to that survey, regret the October 7th attack and thought that at least tactically it was the wrong decision. So I think that's why you're seeing um, from you know the pro-Israel front, there's a lot of optimism now because you're seeing a lot of Hamas fighters surrender in mass. So, you know, while there's still crazy movement that calls for genocide, uh, you know, I totally agree that the, the poll sh continues to show that. But, you know, the, the, the military operation at least seems to be going well. OK, Todd, you get the last word. Yeah, well, 28 years ago, I bet uh, one of the most popular and highest grossing movies, certainly in America, but I bet it did really well across the world was this little movie called Independence Day, where the fictional President Whitmore made a speech saying that we're fighting for our right to survive. That's what this Independence Day is about. And they did so without apology. And people walked out of that movie. Yes, even a popcorn movie in the summer. Like, damn right. Yet now, shutting down highways, all of this nonsense, we are, we're so damn lost. It is so obvious that the truth of what Israel is doing is God's justice and nothing short of it. You want to eliminate me from this mortal coil? No. No. You first. This is the simple math, and it's been all of human history. For good and decent people, not to give in to evil. We're so confused about this, we can't even get it right in our own cap capital I. It's the same problem. 
We think evil and the devil needs to have its day for freedom to reign. No, it doesn't. Wipe that evil out. Exit question. If your confidence that Israel will truly wipe out Hamas as an operational threat, were a Christmas novelty song, which Christmas novelty song would it be? A, baby, it's cold outside. The outcome at the end is uncertain. B, grandma got run over by a reindeer. Certainty of death. C, nothing for Christmas. Not happening. Aaron. Um, I'm reason- What's reasonably confident on that one? Is that B? then you would be uh, B. Grandma got run over by a rain. Yeah, I'm reasonably confident. Okay. Todd. Same. Jordan, where are you on this? A, because there's, um, I don't want to, I don't want to keep going back to the survey, but the survey was very interesting, even though it was a Ramallah-based pollster and they're, they're somewhat legitimate. Um, quickly, I think it's the outcomes of a certain A, because it seems like now in the West Bank, they very much love Hamas. So it's going to be, difficult to remove a, uh, you know, it's easier to remove a fighting force, but then you have to deal with the ideology that yep. that fighting force created and all these new recruits, similar to the ISIS problem. So it's doable, but definitely uncertain right now. All right. When we come back, um, we are going to do another topic on polls because I, I think I saw just the other day, the poll question of the year, or at least it is the best poll question that I saw all of this year. All right. So we are going to get to that uh, when we come back here uh, on the Steve Day Show right here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. All right. Back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by our friends over at Eden Pure. We've got the ick bug going around our house this week. So I had the Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifiers plugged in, try to clear some of that stuff out of the home so we can actually enjoy our weekend. Well, now Eden Pure is back. Uh, their engineering, their advanced engineering team is back now with a new heating unit as well. Powerful heating technology that combines both infrared heating and a convective heating system into one space heater. It's called the Gen 40 heater. And it'll make you feel warmer and reduce your heating bills so that you're never cold again. Um, whether you need that in lieu of your furnace, your boiler, your baseboard heater, or any other space heaters, by using both of these forms of heating technology to heat a room, this puppy will do the job. If you want to give it a shot, get an additional $50 off the Gen 40's sale price right now with the discount code STEVE50. STEVE50 when you go to EdenPureDeals.com EdenPureDeals.com you want to save some money on your heating bills this year, give this thing a try with the code STEVE50 to save an additional $50 off the sales price at EdenPureDeals.com We welcome back in Jordan Schachtel with us for the weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three I think this is the poll question of the year. Ukrainian green shirt President Volodymyr Zelensky says all your money belongs to him. Spend all your money to the weapon, to the drones, to the society, to the pensions, and etc. And don't cry. Zelensky met with lawmakers this week in D.C., attempting to get more money for his apparent war effort against Russia. A key sticking point, or pillow fight, in Congress is that House Republicans seem hell-bent on ensuring some form of border security in exchange for more funding to Ukraine. 
The situation on the southern border is as dire as ever. Last fiscal year set a record for a number of illegal alien contacts at the southern border. More and more illegals, of course, are coming from places not in Latin America, like this tool. Do you care? Yeah. No. You don't care that we have to pay look, for all of this? Look, look, look. Uh, listen. Like Americans are paying for all of this. Do you guys, you know that? Like this, you know money doesn't come off of nowhere. Look, if right? I pay $7,000 for America, it's... So because you paid 7000 I Because I respect America, I respect American rules, everything. Okay. Yeah. But, and but first, you broke the rules coming in, though. First and last, Missy. <laughs> first and last. First, first and last. Why didn't you do it legally? Why didn't you do the CBP-1, the app, <clears throat> or go to a port? Uh, actually, I don't have any idea. The fight over Ukraine's borders versus ours prompted this Twitter poll from Tom Elliott at Grabian Media, who asked his followers, quote, if the southern border were being overrun by Russians, would the Biden administration... 26% of his followers said the Biden administration would keep the status quo. 24% say he'd finally shut the border down. 26% say he'd start racially profiling. And 24% say he'd start drumming up votes for amnesty. Absolutely my favorite poll question I saw this year. It is every ounce of, the, of appropriate levels of snotty. So how would you answer that question? If, the, if it, was, it turned out it was Russians coming over the border. Russia, Russia, Russia. Russians coming over the border in droves, totters. And how do you think the Biden administration would respond? Well, the only one that's not possible is the one that seemingly won. Just keeping it open, status quo? No. I mean, ultimately, I think I come down on the third one. They'd start vetting by race. So it would stay open, but from a certain point of view. Just not for Russians because they're white? Is that what you're going to yes. say? Gotcha. Okay. So it's it's C. That's right. what I'm going with. Jordan, what do you think they would do if it was Russia, Russia, Russia coming over the border in droves instead of Honduras, 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 um, Hamas, 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 and everything else that it is right now? Yeah, I agree with Todd. It would just be ideological vetting. Um, you see it, you know, in Florida, we have the Cubans have a very, even though they're legitimate political refugees, they have the hardest time getting here these days, um, living under a communist government that persecutes them and makes their life a living hell. And it's basically impossible to, you know, make an honest living in that country. And yet, um, you know, policies kind of across the board have made it very difficult for them to get here. There's already kind of ideological vetting in place right now. The, you know, the, the open border is to encourage uh, more Democrat votes. What I found interesting was that someone in the replies to that poll said that they would nuke Russia, which you can't take off the table. You know, there's, been, there's been high level sabotage allegedly committed against Russia with the Nord Stream gas pipeline, you know, destroying um, energy to Europe for quite some time. So, you know, it could be world annihilation if too many Russians uh, cross the U.S. border. And, and I, I think it's, it's fascinating just to see the extent of the problem and, you know, the, the welfare magnet that, you know, there's this Mor that Moroccan guy was willing to get, spend seven grand just to illegally enter the country. Like, that's just mind boggling to me that, you know, there's a process through which spending thousands and thousands of dollars remains very lucrative just to get into the country and be an illegal in the country where you can retain benefits. Just mind boggling. 
It is indeed mind-boggling. You know, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to Tom. You think you've come up with something that is peak snark, peak snottiness, peak sarcasm, peak wit, and there's always someone in the reply section who comes off the top rope. Always. Happens every time. All right? No, we nuke Russia. You have it wrong. We just nuke them. All right, Aaron. I'm not trying to do the same thing here. I, I would but. just say, <laughs> I would just say, this is kind of a moot point, and uh, and I'm basing this on one very anecdotal story. My my dad, for the bulk of his career, was a mechanic for a food processing plant, and um, of course, plants like that attract a lot of different nationalities who have come to this country in one way or another. That's about the uh, kindest way I can say it. One guy who my dad befriended and gave rides to work uh, regularly for a few years was somebody who uh, took his family and emigrated legally from Russia. And he came here thinking this was the land of opportunity. And after a few years, he left because he saw the rot in our culture. That was about 20 years ago. So I don't think Russians are in any hurry to come rushing across our southern border or any border for that matter. That's one anecdotal story of the options presented there. You're right. I do feel worse. Uh, the yeah. status quo would be kept. If there's one thing I know about globalists is that they care about your border. It's 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 your mayor. It's it's your border, not not my border. Um, that's what they care about. So they, they don't care about their own borders. They want to enforce yours. And I've said from the very beginning, this was not some. Yeah. At the heart of it, is it some regional dispute over there? Is that the kind of the lowest hanging fruit? fruit maybe. What I really think this is, and I've said this from the beginning, is that the globalist cabal, starting with the World Economic Forum crowd, the United States, the Western world, what have you, they see Vladimir Putin, and I believe Putin is a thug. He is a dictator. He's a bad, bad man, an evil man who would manipulate you on sight, who would shoot you on sight if you said something. I, I believe he's blow, a bad man. He's a bad man. In broad daylight, maybe. He is a bad man. Can yeah. I make that point any clearer? Media matters. A, did you catch that? Peyton, he is a, Peyton are you listening? He's Peyton, a Media very matters. bad boy, okay? He believes he has some national destiny. He believes in the sovereignty of his own borders. And the globalist cabal hates that about him. That's what I think this is all about. So that's what this has always been about. It's always been about their border, not ours. So if it doesn't matter where they came in from. Heck, somebody, some, some Russian just flew in from, uh, to LAX from Europe without a passport or without a ticket. How did that happen? Do you think they'd stop them at the southern border? No. It's always been about their border, not ours. So the status quo would remain the same. And by the way, your theory on that is as good as any theory I've heard anywhere about the, the true genesis of this. Exit question. What is more likely to happen next year? Todd, I'll start with you. What is more likely to happen next year? Joe Biden secures the border or Hunter Biden goes on trial? Hunter Biden goes on trial. Do you think it's even close? No. Okay. Jordan, which do you think is more likely to happen next year? Yes, yeah, since the former is pretty much impossible, I'm going to go with the latter, which is very unlikely. <laughs> well, he, they can't let him go on trial. I mean, the embarrassment that would come out with discoveries and cross-examinations, I mean, they, they can't let him go on trial. That's, that's why 
I made this the question because they can't afford to, they, they, they don't want to close the border Why? for the same reasons that they don't want to let him go on trial for political reasons. Why not? The press controls everything. Look at what we already know. And he's been, he's still the victim. Why can't it go on trial? What do you think? You think that's really going to come out and like be so damaging and scarring to the people of this nation who have such grand sensibilities that they can hone the moral? Tra- no. It's been a few minutes. Let me say this again. I freaking hate you. Gosh. Aaron. Uh, they, uh, it's more likely that they will secure the southern border. I don't even know who you are anymore, Aaron McIntyre. <laughs> Issue four. If you could put someone on trial, whom would it be and why? Todd, I'll start with you. Well, I already gave a preview of that. It, it would be the, the groomer. Uh, teachers. This was laid out early on. If you had a stranger, so like just a, as a block, oh, just to, yeah, just start, yeah, and see where it goes. I mean, really, that and I, if you had strangers waiting outside the school, handing out this porn to them not very long ago, you you they'd be all over that. Now they're handing it out in the schools. Arrest them. Aaron, if you could put someone on trial in this country right now, whom would it be and why? Mike Pence for convening the coronavirus task force. That was an offense enough. And then we can put on any number of things after that, but that's treason. That what, what he did was treason. What he ended what it ended up being was treason. If if your life is going too well right now. Watch this show. If you are, if you're way too happy and if you're looking for some, some, some balance in your life, if these holidays are way too joyful for you, I would, I would strongly urge you, if you are looking for a little more brooding and darkness in your life, read Scott Atlas's book about his time on the coronavirus task force in the Trump White House. We couldn't even finish it. I, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's yeah, right. We, had to, we didn't. On this show, we, <laughs> we had to stop. Out. We had to, we had to quit. On this show, we had to quit. We just, I, I'd already read it once privately and, and discussing it publicly just made me want to hurt people and begin uh, self-harming. And I just had to tap out. And you guys didn't even fight me. Normally, you guys are like, we cannot punk out. We cannot punk out. You guys looked at me and said, thank you for this merciful yes, act. Jordan, if you could put someone on trial, whom would it be and why? Yeah, it's either Fauci or the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Bourla, two of the most evil people of our time yes who caused enormous harm i know that a lot of people may answer you know donald trump or joe biden depending on you know which politician is your favorite but you know it's easy to put politicians on trial i think putting the the criminals in other places on trial would be more significant at this point in time than playing you know impeachment uh, roulette by the way peer-reviewed study just out of japan shows that all that there's evidence that every single covid variant including the original were all man-made all of them and i i go back to something that uh, robert malone told me privately almost two years ago to this day daniel and i were on a private call with him daniel Horowitz and i were on a private call with him as omicron was beginning to ascend and he flat out told us i, I I wasn't told this was, you know, off the record, so I'll repeat it. And and we didn't talk about it publicly at the time because you would have gotten banned everywhere for bringing this up. But he told Daniel and I privately in a, in a private briefing call we had with him 
that he was convinced Omicron was manufactured by somebody who was tired of what they were doing to the existing virus and they were uh, they were manipulating it to make it more serious. Remember that the uh, uh, the Delta variant was worse than the original variant and that he's convinced he was convinced at the time that Omicron was leaked by somebody trying to basically end this. So there you go. I like how everybody's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah we are cool. All right, Thursday. Okay, cool. All right, then we'll just all move on. Uh, predictions, Todd, go. Well, the unholy trinity of David French magnum opuses will be completed this weekend. We know he became infamous with uh, Drag Queen Story Hour as a blessing of liberty. Then just last week in the New York Times, uh, it was kill the Jews as a blessing of liberty. And here... I bet coming up this week, we will have officially hail Satan as a blessing of liberty. Bet. Yeah, that's that's such a little lying fruit. Should have thought about it on my own. Aaron, this is the final regular order dace group of the year. And uh, with that being said, it's one final opportunity for me. To issue a crappy sports prediction, and uh, that prediction is this Iowa plays Tennessee in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, because everyone knows Cheez-Its and oranges go together like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Um, in the Cheez-It or- Orange Bowl, uh, I'm sorry, Citrus Bowl, uh, Iowa will actually pull the upset over Tennessee. I'm calling a 17-15 to 15 upset over a lower-ranked, uh, but probably better, Tennessee squad. Have you seen the rumors that Missouri is paying their third-string quarterback thirty grand? to quarterback their bowl game and not going to the transfer portal so they'd have a quarterback for the bowl. That's not a rumor. You know that's true. I, that's, I told you, man. Yeah, yeah. It's going to get so dumb. I said it right from the beginning, and it's so I dumb. Just, I, was just, I just wanted to tee him <laughs> off, and it worked. All right, Jordan, go ahead. What's your Three prediction? Three quick predictions off the top of my head. Um, Bitcoin, 100K, sometime in 2024. Not financial advice. Um, Colby Covington this weekend will be UFC champion. And I'm sorry, Steve, but I think Bama is going to run the table and be national champions this year. Well, I'm actually going to counter your prediction. I think we're going to have an all Big Ten national championship game. I think the Big Ten championship game will be uh, current and future Big Ten teams. Michigan and Washington, I think, will both win their bowl games on New Year's Day. And that will be the national championship game one week later in Houston on January 8th. So stick it, Shaktel. All right. Good to see you, brother. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you next year. Yeah. Good seeing you guys. You bet. Let's go back for just a few seconds, though. I know we just kind of brushed it off like, okay, well, cool. I mean, tell me something I don't know. But this is an official Japanese peer-reviewed study. Okay. When you and I wrote and published uh, Fauci and Bargain on, what is it, March 31 of 2021, I think is when right it came now. out. I mean, we, we, we decided at the last minute to, that was the last deci- editorial yeah. decision we made, was to include a, a chapter on the Wuhan lab. But we, because of all the censorship at that time, and, we, and, and a lot of it, we, a lot of things we didn't know. We could, we could, we could piece things together deductively, mm-hmm. but we, we didn't know it, you know, empirically. And... But we left a lot of those breadcrumbs if you go back and read that chapter. Mm-hmm. And man, that looks extremely prophetic with everything that's come out in the two and a half years since. I agree. Which is why 
heads need to be swinging from trees. After a fair trial, of course. Of course. here with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre totters and all of you and you can let us know who you are and what you think about what we think by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab you can follow me at steve dace show on twitter getter instagram and tiktok and you can also if you're a podcast listener please leave us a five-star review maybe you've already done that thank you Try leaving us more of them. We'll take all of them we can get. If you haven't done so yet, what more must I do to earn that five-star review? Because I, I don't know. I, I can't be any better than this. This is, this is what I'm bringing to the table. It's what I got. So, you know, it's Christmas. Mercy triumphs over judgment, maybe. You know, lower your standards. Lower your standards at least a little bit. Thank you to all of you that already have. And then hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, follow. And that way, every time we do a new episode, it'll show up in your feed every single time. Thank you to those that have done those things for us as well. And thank you to our friends at Pure Health Research who want to make sure as you take a look at uh, the most common New Year's resolution coming up, how to get healthier, you take a look at your liver, which is one of the most important organs in your body. It's involved in at least 500 functions, so yeah, it matters quite a bit. And if you've got fatty liver, and one out of three Americans these days do, you're increasing your odds of heart disease all the more, and that's a problem because heart disease is already the number one killer in America. So as you're getting prepared for a healthier 2024, one thing that could help is the liver health formula, and it's 11 powerful botanicals that will help you to recharge and protect your liver. Go get it today, and also, if you do, get a free bottle of omega-3s to keep your heart and your brain healthy at the exact same time. Just visit getliverhelp.com slash Steve to make your order and claim that free bonus gift of the omega-3s. Again, getliverhelp.com slash Steve. That's getliverhelp.com slash Steve. All right, final feedback Friday of the year. Are we ready? Six is the number. Yeah, I'm going to crank. I'm going to try to get through as many of these lightning uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable with six can we do seven six is the incomplete number as we discussed yesterday that's a great point seven seven all right seven we will go for all right this is from daniel who says when you're out and about this magical season you're likely going to hit a few restaurants below are some politician themed menu items to look out for you may or may not want to give them a try lindsey graham's barbecue platter a variety of pulled and well-smoked meat todd your thoughts the Vivek Daily, <laughs> the Vivek Daily special changes often, then changes back. Nancy Pelosi pasta, spaghetti and vodka sauce, very well sauced. The Pete Buttigieg hot lunch, chili dog twofer for sharesies. Todd, your thoughts? What do you think? Mm. I thought we were going to get through these fast. You thought we were going to get through these fast. I'm just, I'm belaboring the point. I like your reactions. Um, the Ted Cruz combo, a Cuban sandwich with poutine fries. Nikki Haley fried chicken hawk regularly sells out. 
That's clever. Marco Rubio crawfish cocktail, good for Latin X flair at the country club bar. The Lauren Bobert uh, or Derbs platter, nibbles to be enjoyed in public or private. I totally forgot about that story. Doesn't that seem like it was 10 years ago? Goodness. Hillary Clinton basket, old cracker crumbed chicken, includes totally not staged bottle of hot sauce. And the Mitch McConnell turtle soup, look lukewarm and a little swampy. That is from Daniel. Overall, well done. Dave in Todd's home state of Wisconsin says, I fear we, the American people, have officially entered the matrix. 40% of the populace are fully plugged in and oblivious to the reality of their existence. They are just the copper tops fueling the matrix. 20% have some awareness but are fine being in the matrix and prefer that to reality or what you like to call the ciphers, Todd. Yes. The final 40%, and I fear it's less and even shrinking, are awake and fighting and losing to the Matrix. Unfortunately, unlike the movie version of the Matrix, those of us that are awake are still having our energy, moral and uh, cash, uh, and absorbed by the Matrix while getting few, if any, benefits. The next election will prove this correct or just show how, just show the Matrix has a little bit of work to do. Please tell me I am wrong. No, you nailed it. So, Todd, what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm always good for a good Matrix metaphor or allegory, particularly if we're talking about the first movie, which is an all-time classic. The rest of them got increasingly self-indulgent, and the one that they came up with or came out with last year is utter trash. But the first one is an absolute classic. Todd, what do you think? Well, I just brought this up a couple of days ago. I don't remember the context, but if you'll recall that the the narrative is everything in that show because they learn that the they're, they're explained i think in the second movie that the utopia that was pumped into their brains initially uh when they were in the pods you know and and they were in the pods to be harvested for energy uh but but in order to keep them alive they had to keep their brain functioning with the basically the equivalent of a a dream that they thought was their life and the first one was too utopian and and it was rejected uh so you had to have the right narrative just the right balance of you know good evil tension whatever something in there to uh so it wouldn't be rejected so it's like an organ that wouldn't be uh rejected and yeah there's there's just a lot of people look at even in this world with with covid it's you the rubber band didn't bounce back with most people and we can't just blame the weirdos on the left you just the normies there was no red wave why because they the 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 show the game makers now going to another dystopian movie Mm -hmm. the game makers have hit on and they keep testing to find out what the right mix is how far that can they go and when and they just realize that we're we're pretty much putty in their hands for the most part indeed anthony writes my name is Anthony, and while I understand this will probably get lost in the hundreds of emails you receive, I wanted to get some advice from you on life and relationships. Well, it did get lost, Anthony, for about three months, but we're finally getting to your note. <laughs> I love these. <laughs> like, what disaster in his personal life has transpired since we couldn't get That's to true. it now? That's why we had to take this one, because if you're at a point that you're yeah. like, I am so out of answers, let's see what these guys think, then... 
we kind of almost feel compelled to stand in the gap on behalf of, of, of folks like you. Uh, he says, I'm a 21 year old college senior from Michigan. And, and as my time in college is coming to a close, thank God I'm struggling more and more with life. I have a great desire to find a wife and have kids, but it is so difficult with my generation. I have three strict non-negotiables for a woman, Christian, conservative, and unvaxxed. And even though I could go to a small Christian university finding kinship with, uh, and even though I go to a small Christian university finding kinship with other students is difficult. I'm introverted with people I don't know well and more extroverted once I'm comfortable around them. But what makes finding a possible girlfriend difficult is that I'm kind of a boomer when it comes to life. I'm already ready to settle down. I'm ready to have kids provided I can find a good job and, and live out in the country away from people. I totally understand Aaron's desire to be away from people. Additionally, which is exactly why Aaron got into broadcasting. Yeah. But I digress. Uh, additionally, I don't have many interests that women in my generation find attractive. I enjoy politics, following the news, theology as a reformed Baptist. I'm, a, I'm into country music. So that's why I kind of call myself a boomer or what other generations would have called an old soul kind of. Anyway, recently it's been difficult for me to get up and press forward. I know that God is sovereign and will bring forth all things in his perfect timing. But knowing that doesn't make waiting any less difficult for me. Nights are the worst as I'm left alone with my thoughts and become depressed. Ultimately, I'm struggling to find purpose. And yes, I know intellectually that my ultimate purpose is to glorify God, yet I still struggle. A girlfriend gives me some purpose, someone to fight for, to prepare, to provide for if she becomes my wife and the mother of our children, a reason to get up in the morning. The only thing that keeps me going is trusting that God will provide for me to settle down with someone and make a family together at some point. While I know you'd recommend I look to my church as a great place to find a godly woman, most of the women my age are either already in relationships or not my type. What advice might you have for me and my situation? And again, that is from Anthony. So I'm going to start back to front and I'm going to take the, the back here and then I'm going to hand this off to Aaron because this is more in his wheelhouse generationally. But let me say this. Um, don't ever feel as if um, it's wrong to desire to have a wife before sin enters into the world. Before sin enters into the world, God looked at the man that he had created and realized it was not good for the man to be alone. So that, that, that statement is made before sin ever enters into the world. So imagine how much more necessary that attachment is now that sin is in the world. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong whatsoever with that. Also, you are a spiritual being, yes, but you are put into mortal flesh. And those connections and those desires don't ever hyper-spiritualize them. There's nothing wrong with them at all. It's, it's how we choose to act on behalf of them where we get into issues of right and wrong. But having them in and of the first place is not wrong at all. It is not wrong to desire a woman. It is not wrong to desire a wife. It is not wrong to emotionally get down when, when, those, when, when, when those desires go unmet. And, I mean, if you're called to live a life of celibacy on behalf of the kingdom, then, you know, um, then God will provide for you the means to put those desires to death or at least to contain them to some degree. But even Paul said it is better to marry than to, to burn with lust. All right, so I wanted to make sure that anybody in this situation do not hyper-spiritualize this. 
You are given the means to procreate for a reason. You are given the means to provide for, uh, for a family for a reason. And the intention of God is for you to act on behalf of those things. The first commandment that he gives the husband and the wife is to procreate, to go subdue the earth, use their gifts, take dominion over the earth and procreate perpetuate the species. So make sure that, and not that you brought this up, I could just kind of read between the lines here, feeling down because you have those desires and they're not being met. There's nothing unbiblical about that whatsoever. I just wanted to make sure to say that first and foremost. Now, this specific generational challenge, Aaron, is something we have received over the years a lot from both men and women. Why? You guys have more dating apps than ever. There's more hooking up than ever. So why is it harder than ever, apparently, to find a mate in your generation? Well, I, I think I think there's groups of people who are living in two different worlds. One of this world and one not of this world. I think that's the that's the fundamental reason. Now when it comes to when it when it comes to this particular Anthony, um, this emailer, dude, when you were, when you were laying all that out and like, holy cow, is this me five years ago, six years ago? I mean, I was tracking right with you. It's like, if I go on a date, do I talk to um, a potential suitor about uh, coffee tables or I don't know, uh, the latest on uh, the GOP uh, presidential field? Yeah, I, I'm an old soul too. I'm, I'm a boomer. Um, see, seemingly at heart. So I, I'm tracking right with you. Um, I, you know, I have a couple of uh, things of advice. And, and you said, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble finding one in my church. I didn't find my wife in a church. I found her at a, on a good uh, dating app called Tinder. I'm, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Tinder. It was a different one called Hinge. Um, and I've heard of a, a other people who have, have who have used that app as well. Um, but but get involved with the church. I got involved, and and I would say don't don't go overboard too. It's possible to get very burned out very quickly if you get involved too much in your in your local church. Um, not to say that that's necessarily you know, getting involved a lot is a bad thing. Some people can handle more than than others, but get involved as much as you possibly can, just for the reason of you're getting outside of yourself and you're giving and you're giving to something that that is not yourself. That that's a good thing. Um, take up a hobby. That's another good thing as well. A, a worthwhile hobby. That's another good thing as well. Those are two just for the time being kind of pieces of, of advice. I will tell you though, in the last year and a half, there have been a handful and a true handful. I can think of four or five couples off the top of my head that are married now that either were having difficulty finding someone or I thought in two cases would never find someone um, just because of circumstances, despite the fact that they were wonderful people, circumstances in their life that were kind of outside of their control, I thought would maybe preclude them or would just make it very dif difficult or rare to find a partner who would want to hitch their caboose, so to speak, to them. Two of those people are married and they just got married last year. One, and I don't mind saying this, or, or, and I don't think he would mind saying this as well, Chris Pandolfo, he's a good friend of mine, really good friend, value his friendship a lot. It took him a long time, and, and there was a lot of 
you know, um, a, a lot of twists and turns along those lines. And now he's married as well. And I, I got to meet his bride just last month. Um, one of my buddies from college took taken a long time. Now he's got a, a stable relationship that looks to be headed in the right direction as well. Don't give up hope. Just don't. I know that's harder uh, or easier said than done. Just don't give up that hope. Just in my own life, I just listed off four examples for you there. Just in the last year and a half. So don't give up hope. Secondly, I'll say this as well. And you, you mentioned this in your note. And I, I would have said the same thing in your shoes as well. God's timing is not my timing. I, it was early uh, 2019, early 2019, where I truly did feel content in my singleness. I had an apartment with a buddy of mine from childhood who was out of the army, was taking classes at a college. That was a lot of fun. I was planning another trip to the Grand Canyon. That was a lot of fun. I had more disposable income at my fingertips. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I started enjoying my singleness and saying, hey, this was a lot of, this is a lot of fun. And then I met my wife four months later, and it's been a lot more fun <laughs> ever since then. I, I don't know what it is. When we finally find ourselves at true contentedness, contentedness with where we are, where God has us, and were my reasons necessarily all righteous for being content? Is that I was just having a lot of fun? No, but I, I truly was content uh, in, that, in that moment. Was I content because I was having fun? No, but I was content in that God was allowing, was blessing me regardless. God was showing me there is a life just outside of, of being married. Is that all good? No, but there is a life. It's not the end of the world. You see what I'm saying? God has a way of working when we finally find ourselves in true uh, contentedness. So, man, it seems like, Anthony, you understand what's going on here. God's timing is not your own. You have the right desires, and I'm glad you reinforced that, Steve. There's nothing wrong with those desires whatsoever. In fact, nothing wrong. It's a good desire to have. It's the right desire to have. So keep that up. Um, but when we go back to kind of the core of why this is so difficult, man, we're going to have, it's my fault we're, if we don't get to seven, my bad. Um, there are just increasingly with every generation, there's a shrinking pool of people who are living not for this world. That's the reality. But there is a pool of people out there. It's just God's timing. I know that's hard to hear, but it is, it is in the end just his timing. That doesn't mean just say, throw back, no effort whatsoever. But at the end of the day, when that door opens, it will open, and it'll not because, be because of you. It'll be because of him. One last thing I'll add, brother, is um, I spoke at this event two years ago, and I'll say this to you as a Reformed Baptist. I spoke at this event two years ago, and I am hoping that I will be able to uh, do it again uh, this year, their 2024 event. I'm going to tell you right now, man, I would, if I were you, I'm young and I want to find a wife and I'm reformed, I'd be looking at something called the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. 
Their next event is this fall in Dallas. And I'm hoping I'm going to be able to speak at it. I haven't finalized details yet, but I'm hoping to make that happen. And you want to find a lot of good young Christian girls that are looking for a husband. I'd look there. Okay. I'd be, it's uh, the website is FLF fight life feast or fight laugh feast. FLF network.com F as in Frank L I Frank. So FLF network.com. If I were you, I'd be, I'd be getting tickets for that event later next year. And we'll tip on the dope rhyme there for you. Um, my Patriot Supply wants to make sure that uh, you are ready for whatever Let's Go Brandon has in store for us here in uh, in the forthcoming year. It is better to be prepared and not need something than to really need it and not have it. And that's where their three-month emergency food kit comes into play. You can get $200 off right now. And it comes, these kits are 2,000 plus calories a day for three months. All three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they even throw in drinks and smacks. Smacks. Snacks. <laughs> Smack you around a little bit? All right. <laughs> they might be able to do that too. I mean, that might cost you a little extra. All right. Uh, but uh, free, you can get that as well. If you order by 3 p.m., the order ships free same day. Well over a dozen different uh, meals and sides, so you can uh, mix and match for variety. Stays good for up to a 25-year shelf life. Just make sure you're prepared. Uh, you can take $200 off, and if you order by 3 p.m. today, free same-day shipping as well at preparewithdace.com. Again, head over there now, preparewithdace.com. Michael writes, My wife and I are working on your Bible study, Know Thy Enemy. And yeah, if you're looking for a Christmas gift that's something original, go check out Know Thy Enemy. We're selling it still on Amazon. We're relaunching it after the first of the year. You'll hear more about that here when we come back after the holidays. But uh, you can get the, uh, my small group's going through it right now. And I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And I didn't even remember how good it was when we were doing it. So uh, Know Thy Enemy, the nefarious Bible study is available right now on Amazon for your small group. Know Thy Enemy, the nefarious Bible study. Anyway, Michael says... My wife and I are going through it right now. It's fantastic. We're on part three, learning about how the occult is absolutely real and absolutely pervasive in a lot of our culture. We don't subscribe to ghost videos or psychic tarots or anything of the occult. But as nerds, we enjoy playing World of Warcraft, which is similar to Skyrim. So it's a game that does have necromancy and casting attack spells and fighting vampires and bad creatures. Our, our session three turned into a very long discussion afterwards about whether our game that we play when the kids are about the game we play when the kids are in bed on the weekends. But is this a game that is a doorway that we have opened up? Neither one of us are abandoning our faith over this game, but I certainly don't want our favorite pastime to be a sneaky doorway for the enemy. We don't watch TV or have cable in our house, so it's not like we're stuck on the TV all day long. It's just the thing that we play when we have our downtime. So where is this line drawn? We love fantasy stuff like Lord of the Rings, the Daredevil Netflix series, etc. Love to get you guys' take on this. And uh, we pray for everyone there. Thank you guys, and God bless. So... Um, there is the scriptures has a lot to say about these kinds of situations, but, but from a new Testament standpoint, it basically comes down to a matter of conscience for you as a believer, these things have no power for you as a believer. These things have no power over you, meaning you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. Now, 
they you know, have experienced some of that this past year. They can attempt to do things to you, but that's usually out of vengeance and persecution because they're, they're powerless to overcome you as a believer. So this mostly, there are some things that are explicitly demonic, explicitly, meaning the purpose for it was demonic, right? Paul talks about meat dedicated to idols, you know, like in a Greco-Roman culture, Saturn, Jupiter, stuff like that, okay? But that's not the same, and he says those idols are powerless, they're not real for you as a believer. But he also says to give them an audience, you know, if you've got a young believer that has just come out of that culture and chances are, if they're coming out of the Greco-Roman world, they're coming out of that culture. Right, Todd? Mm-hmm. Chances are. All right. Two kinds of people that you would typically have, have, have convinced or see the Holy Spirit convinced that Jesus is Messiah a non-Messianic Jew in, in the first century, the era of the early church, would have been a non-Messianic Jew or a Gentile idolater. Would have been the two typical kinds of people. Because this was a religion that began in in first century Jerusalem, Judea, and then spread throughout the Roman Empire. And those were the two primary religious influences of the early that the early church was up against. All right? So... Um, Either, it was, either there was the debate among Jews who did not believe Jesus was Messiah, or you were up against Gentiles who were just openly idolatrous. All right? That's not, openly idolatrous is demonic, but that's not necessarily, in my opinion, and some of you may disagree with me, and that's great, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, that does not necessarily mean it is purposefully satanic. Meaning, we understand that those who made sacrifices in Ephesus to Artemis were really making sacrifices to demon because there demons because there is no such thing as Artemis, as, at least as as or Diana as it was presented to the to the, to the Ephesians. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. But did they go to the temple knowing they were sacrificing to Lucifer? Was it a purposeful thing? Is that what they were doing in their minds? No. No. They thought they were legitimately sacri- making sacrifices to a deity. Okay. So that's not a, so the influence, it might be demonic influence, but the, but it's not purposefully satanic. The altar that was placed in the lobby of the Iowa legislature was purposefully satanic. It was satanic by nature, satanic by purpose. Everything about it was to make an expression of an open act of acknowledgement of worship of Lucifer and our state's legislature. There's no ambiguity there whatsoever. It was an expression of power. It was put there to express power of the enemy. When we get into pagan and pluralistic idolatrous cultures, these lines become blurred. Sure, they might be demonic, likely are but the people that are taking part in these things don't really understand that and that's not what they think that they're doing in many cases so then it can becomes a matter of conscience so for you as a mature believer you go to a dinner with a bunch of your gentile idolatrous friends and they eat of that meat and you know it has no power you might be fine but paul says don't take a young believer or someone who just came out of that life don't take them there with you because they're not yet convinced yet or they still they come it's too early for them they come from a world where these things do have power don't cause the lesser being or at least in their minds it did don't give them a bad influence don't cause a lesser brother to stumble so 
in my my exegetical opinion of this is you are not doing something that is blatantly satanic. So then it becomes a matter of conscience. And then it becomes a matter of, are you, you know, are these things that would cause your children to stumble if they were exposed to them? And I don't know your kids. You do. Okay. But from what you're describing to me, it's not blatantly, purposefully satanic. Therefore, it is a matter of conscience. And then we get into gray areas that Christians have argued about for centuries. That's why we splitter off uh, a lot of times over these gray areas and, um, and, 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 and conscience driven decisions. What do you think, Todd? Well, uh, this is that, that's a theory uh, driven discussion uh, that I largely uh, agree with. Uh, But I think we need to put this into practice because in Steve's own movie, Nefarious brilliantly, brilliantly lays out how demonic possession works. Mm-hmm. And it's a step-by-step process and he's, his voice, you know, you start off with a small thing like stealing a small toy or whatever it's, and you keep building and building and building. And that's why I think experimentally, you got to get outside of your mind and you have to do in this. I think you need to give yourself a Lent. I think you... This is the, the thing you keep saying. This is the thing I've always done. This is what we do with our downtime. You need to give yourself a Lent. You need to stop doing it for 40 days and you need to see how you feel and think about it after that. That's a good point. That's, that's a very good point. To me, this is different than a Ouija board. That's the expressed intent of divination. And that is clearly explicitly demonic, right? Okay. But I do like your suggestion. Walk away from it for a while. See how you feel. And if you don't have any yearning or anything for it, then it's just a game to you. Okay. Yeah. What happens if you do, right? right? Then something else is going on. That's a great point. Back here on the Steve Day Show. Let's make sure we, we don't get out of here today before we mention our friends at Preborn and their outstanding pro-life ministry. If you are looking for uh, giving for your end of the year giving list, few causes would be better than this one. Uh, 80% of the time when they show a mom considering murdering her child, when they show her an ultrasound and she hears that heartbeat, feels it really in her bones, she's convicted and doesn't go through with it. But, and that's great. And that's just 28 bucks, even with Bidenflation, that only costs you 28 bucks for one of those ultrasounds. But they also understand that that mom was considering it what, at, at any rate. Because she's in a very difficult situation and they want to help her through that. Prenatal care, postnatal care, practical stuff like car seats, other stuff like counseling. All of that is also free of charge, provided they have funding from people like us. So if you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to Preborn today, go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Preborn.com slash Steve. All right. Uh, how many have we gotten through so far? It's got to be That's, at least four. Yeah, it's at least four. Right. So. so we might hit that seven. We shall see. All right. Sarah Brown writes, I was touched by your response to a gentleman on your show this year 
who said that he's without a wife because he's caring for his mom and sister. I wanted to offer a thought on that as I've seen something similar in my own life. I've been married for almost 25 years. A few years ago, we adopted two kids from within our extended family. After almost reaching the stage where our own children were self-sufficient, we found ourselves setting hit, suddenly hitting the recent on parenting with a four and seven-year-old. Unfortunately, because of the way it came about, my own sisters have completely cut me off. And my father is so busy caring for my mother, who's in late stage Alzheimer's, that they are not people I can turn to either. It's been an extremely difficult and isolating time uh, trying to integrate this family, especially during COVID, because my two youngest do not act like the other children who were brought up in a two-parent household, and that is why we are typically uh, around. Or, and, and that is what we are typically around. We were involved, in, very involved in our church. I volunteered at least once a month with my teenage daughter in the nursery, and I cover the information table in the lobby once a month also. My husband and the same teenager helped with the sound booth a couple of times a month. I'm also involved in a Bible study with 10 women, one of whom is my sister-in-law, primarily from our church, and together we have 33 children between the 10 of us. We're fairly new to the community. We've lived here just 16 months, deciding to move to a farming community where our teenage daughter was ensnared uh, when, when our teenage daughter was ensnared by the gender cult, a move I'm convinced, uh, which I'm convinced saved her life, meaning they moved away from the gender cult to get her out of there. However, despite our connections to the church, we have never once been invited to any of these ladies' homes or even a social timeout as a family unless our entire Sunday school class was invited. My kids also have not been invited to a single birthday party for any of these other 29 children or any of the other children at our church. What I've come to realize is that this is a reflection on the state of our church. Not necessarily our physical church that we attend, but the church as a whole. My parents were foster parents for 15 years and cared for 63 kids in that time frame from medically fragile infants to teens with behavioral challenges. My parents experienced that lack of connection as well. My father's been known to say that as Christ followers, we are not called to a life of comfort, but of compassion. I've heard you use this first part of this, but I would, I agree, but I wonder if you agree with the second part. And if that is correct, how do we go about finding a church that practices this? Because I think it's becoming obvious that we need a change. When you read that man's, when you read that man's email earlier this year, I thought about all of this and just wanted to see if you had any thoughts about how to encourage people to step out of their comfort, to practice their faith in a way that supports those who need it the most. Well, Sarah, let me just say from my own experience, I'll talk about for a minute. I, I mean, obviously I've been a, a high profile member of this community for several years now, going back to when I did a sports talk show. And then when I did a, uh, the news talk show on the big 50,000 watt blowtorch here in town. And, um, a lot of times, I mean, one church that we were previously were at a smaller church and um, I was on the preaching team there. Yeah. We were there for wow. Nine years. And I'm not, I can't remember a time that anybody in the, it was very rare that anybody would ever invite us to anything. I think some of it was just the assumption that, you know, we were going to be busy given everything, you know, given how high profile I was in a small church like that. But then we went to a larger church for the next five years after that and never got asked to do anything. No one ever invited us to do anything until finally we got the small group we're in now because they came to us after we were there for five years and said, hey, you know, 
Uh, you guys' family has been on our hearts quite a bit. Would you be interested in joining our small group? And Amy and I were like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, um, I, I think there is something to be said about a transient church culture, this kind of thing where you kind of come and go on your own, um, go to one of the, one of the many services on your own. Um, you know, maybe you go to a church where they, uh, they take a hologram or a, a you know, a, a video presentation and beam the pastor into a room. Okay. A, a lot of this is, I mean, church, a lot of, of American, particularly suburban evangelical churches have boards of directors more so than elders. I mean, this is a very corporate style of culture and it's not familial at, on, on, on many levels. And the idea that we are free agents, I mean, on one hand, this is taught on a macro level in churches. We talked about that yesterday with John Cooper from Skillet. The idea that the Bible is, the, the, the gospel is strictly just fire insurance for salvation. And after that, you're just kind of on your own until God calls you home. You're just kind of this free agent meandering out there, right? This idea of you know, sermons that have to be 18 minutes. All right, we have three services and they all have to start on time. All this stuff has kind of fed this sort of utilitarian culture in the church. And it goes kind of to what I said to Aaron, knowing, already knowing the answer, last segment. How is it your generation with all the sexuality and all the dating and everything else that's out in the open is having a hard time, a harder time than any previous generation of Americans finding a spouse? It's precisely because those things are all out in the open that they are. Same thing. We've got more, we've got more coffee shops and churches than ever before. We've got more buddy systems and things in, in churches than ever before. And yet I would imagine, but again, a lot of that is window dressing. And that's not, that's, that, that doesn't substitute for community. And, and so I think a lot of what exists, I mean, you have a vending machine in the break room at your job. You can get a coffee at the break room at your job. Is that really the place where you feel like you want to share what's really going on in your life is the break room at your job? Conversely, the coffee shop in the lobbies of many American uh, suburban megachurches. Is that kind of the place where you feel like, you know, my husband left me. I'm thinking of leaving my wife. You know, I'm thinking of leaving my family. Um, I just lost my job. I don't know how to tell my wife. I mean... Imagine you walked out of a, the average American, let me put it this way. Imagine you walked out of the average American church service and through the, the lobby or the foyer with the coffee shop and, ha and someone was breaking down crying in there. Would that unnerve you? That would seem unnatural, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because everybody's shiny and happy. So... It's a, it's a, it, a lot of our churches have created a, a culture, a corporate culture of utilitarianism and you're, what you've experienced is just a byproduct of that. You guys want to add well, that before I move on? It's very much about your expectations of what going to church is. You shouldn't go there expecting to find, uh, saints. Th that's a place that's a hospital, uh, for sinners. You should be going to church to find God together. And that's a different thing. And we... Uh, we have a sense of, uh, I know there was an initiative about how uh, the church, uh, Catholic church I, I, I used to go to ha had to be 
more welcoming well this this came from a lot of complaints and i looked into it more this was people weren't really doing this as any kind of search for god they they wanted you know they just felt like this wasn't fuzzy enough so it became about them and their emotion and their psychology which is probably the broken stuff that needs to get, have them the real uh solid food to begin with i mean we we, we I, there's very 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 few of us who belong to a church right now in the western world in america that is authentically christian in that early the early church by those who weren't christians we talked about this in a different context the the jewish historian josephus quoting look how they love each other it was so radical how a small sect of off and on very persecuted people and that persecution went on for nearly three centuries until Constantine came along and, and uh, normalized uh, Christianity. Yet it was so radical that it couldn't be denied and it spread the earth and people like, tell, show me everything like Dr. Strange. Do you belong to that church? Most of us don't and we know it. This just isn't, see that's the thing. You ask a, it's a serious question that you ask, but the, I have no answer for you. Um, you, we trust me. You would ex know exactly where that church was in mm -hmm. your area. You wouldn't. We wouldn't have to tell you. You wouldn't have written this letter to us if it existed, because it's so obvious. That's the history of this church. It's why it's still here two thousand years. It's why we are celebrating Christmas yet again, despite our attempts to throw it in the garbage. It persists because that light was so bright and so strong at the beginning. It was undeniable. We don't want to be that church most of the time these days. We got too many other things to do. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. This is what an actual healthy good church is supposed to be you have an opportunity to move across the country for a job that pays you three times as much as you you would now to put your kids in private school to maybe take care of your future gener uh, your, your 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 future for both your kids and your spouse and you turn it down because the church is keeping that keep keeping you there the local church i'm talking about that's the type of church that should exist that does not exist at least at large, I know it does here and there. I know my, I have family who um, belong to a church like that as well. But that kind of church, the truth of God's word, the ministry of God's word is working so strongly and so loudly within that community and within your own family that you just can't say no to, to, to that, to staying there or to, 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 to staying there and saying no to moving away. That's the kind of church that we should be working on, but that, that just does not exist at large. Kyle True in Wyoming, I've never gotten a note like this. He sent a year in review of our show. It says, top three things on your show. Number one, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. I love him. Number two, what happened while we were away. I love it. Sometimes I would just tune into that if I was busy. Number three, Theology Thursday. Um, and I really appreciate uh, what you guys do from a biblical worldview standpoint. Other parts of the show are good, too, he said. Well, that's good. But those... <laughs> Those are the things that I love. So thank you, Kyle, in Wyoming. I appreciate that.
I've just never received a year in review email like that before. Um, I am attending Excel and Ed, a conservative education conference started 15 years ago by Jeb Bush. One of our keynote speakers was Sal Khan, founder of the Khan Academy. His tutoring program joined with ChatGPT to form ConMingo and roll out AI tutoring this past March. Khan believes that within five years, teachers will harness AI to create lesson plans, teach students, and give initial evaluation to homework essays, etc. In fact, Khan believes that AI will replace all but the top 10 to 15% of the labor pyramid. Essentially, the only people necessary will be those running the AI. This is Skynet kind of stuff right yes. here. Okay. This predicted replacement of humans had two effects on the audience. One was of grave concern for the future of mankind. The other was a freakish look of awe and rapture by many in the audience. That is from Elizabeth Techmeyer. She's a homeschool mom mm-hmm. on the Nebraska Board of Education. And she also sent uh, very kind words for the show. Thank you, Elizabeth, as well as tell your eight-year-old I said hello. Let's close with thoughts on that. And I think that gets us to seven, actually. Yeah, that look of rapture. People people think that this is going to make all their dreams come true. I will make all of your dreams come true. They they will be able to get... Would you do Pedro AI? Would you vote for Pedro AI? That might be the AI. I might might vote for Pedro AI. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. People are think they will... Look how comfortable they are now. They'll be able to get more comfortable. That this is... Finally, the end of history. Uh, it, the, it's, this goes back to what we talked about earlier on the show about what people's sense of uh, uh, destiny uh, finally is. And as, as, the more horrific we think a lot of our reality is, they think we're finally starting uh, uh, to figure things out. Yeah, you know, when people ask, like, what's my purpose? Will I find a, a, a spouse? What kind of work should I do? If this kind of thing puts a smile on my face, they'll never, ever get good and true and beautiful answers to those questions either. We can't be this comfortable and have our eyes on God. We, this, is, this, is, this is idolatrous. God does not design us to forsake our birthrights to what is as close to a demigod as we will, in fact, have known in this world. Mm -hmm. You know who else people will think will make all their dreams come true? Patrick Mahomes. No, Um, it would be the Antichrist. Yes. That's what I thought of. There will be a small segment of people who will be horrified at what they're seeing in the Antichrist. But most people will will be in awe. They will gaze at the beast and marvel at it. Somebody sent me this morning, maybe this is a good, this is a good way to uh, wrap up this conversation. Somebody sent me this morning, Bigfoot, Tennessee, DeSantis 2024. Hey man, check this out from Revelations. Revelations 18, Babylon the Great has fallen. She's become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Can't put a finger on. Is that... Can't put a finger on that. Doesn't sound like anything familiar. 
No, I got nothing. I've got absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing immediately comes to mind at all. I don't see any parallels whatsoever. You? I got nothing. Nah. Have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.